Welcome back for another amazing episode of our podcast, where our guest today is Zandara Kennedy. Met her out at LS Fest and was lucky enough to have her on for what I can only describe as an epic interview. Before we get to it, though, I do need to thank East 10 Drift for all that they are doing in our local drift community, and round four of their pro-am at Lanier Raceplex is the last weekend of this month, so if you can, definitely make it out. Uh, also do want to thank Dream Tank Soap for their continued help with uh, getting my media out there, really. Uh, a huge thank you to you guys. Uh, and with that out of the way, I present to you Zandara. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so I guess we can start over. Uh, so what got sure. you into uh, stunt driving, stunt coordinating for movies, TV, all sorts of uh, film industry? Well, I definitely uh, started off just pursuing stunts in general. My background is trampoline and circus. And um, basically, once I found out that stunts was a thing, it was, I was like, this is what I need to do. Uh, I had heard about a stunt school in the U.S., which uh, working stunt professionals don't recommend stunt schools. They're kind of a bit of a cash grab. Sure. Because the people that are teaching them, generally speaking, aren't working stunt performers. <laughs> <laughs> if, so if, that's if they sort would have of succeeded as stunt performers they'd still be stunt performers yeah they, they wouldn't be teaching a school um you know that said it was kind of a it's a, it's a great like summer camp taste of what you think stunts is going to be like and you realize it's nothing like that but um yeah i really deliberately pursued stunts i didn't know anyone in the industry and a most common way that many people get in is through a connection they have familial or otherwise sure. that uh that lets them connect with people. So I did a lot of different jobs in the film industry. Uh, as I was working towards doing stunts, I did a lot of extra work. Oh. I worked, uh, in commercials in the art department. I worked as a grip. I've kind of tried a lot of different things while I was working on stunts, but because I didn't know anybody and it wasn't easy for me to get work initially, uh, I had a, a, a ladder <laughs> climb up kind of, well, sort of, but it, it forced me to kind of develop my skills a lot more than I might have otherwise if I just was working right away. So I, I sort of looked at the resumes of some of the top stunt performers uh, in Canada and started kind of copying what they had done. So a lot of that was, was driving training. And as soon as I started doing driving training, the first course I took, I think I was 18 years old. I went down and I took a really famous course. Rick Seaman has taught the motion picture driving clinic for. I want to say 30 years at oh, least wow. pretty much every stunt person, whether they work as a driver or not has done Rick's course or will do Rick's course. It's just, it's a classic. It takes place at Willow Springs in California. Oh, and, uh, you know, it's three days, the cars, they've been using the same cars for 20 or 30 years. Like they're just eighties crown Vicks that you, you just beat the shit out of. And you know, they, they do minimal maintenance, but it's all you need. Right. Yeah. So I came back from, from one of those courses and I went out and I, spent like $1,500 on a 1987 Crown Vic and I just <laughs> beat the crap out of it. Like I just, I would go out and practice at night yeah. anytime it rained, like all the time we shot a, a little short that I ended up using pieces of, but we haven't actually released called two girls, one car, which is like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, basically it was a fight scene that takes place while I'm driving and my friend is on the roof of the car. Oh, that's sweet. Um, so we've actually been kind of looking at it now because it's been, I didn't realize it's been almost 10 years since we shot that. So we kind of went through, I mean, we shot a little ADR for it and 
my friends that have the footage kind of want to just release it for fun. It's pretty funny, you know, considering we were just a bunch of, uh, kind of newer stunt performers trying to keep training and, and build our skills. And now we were looking at all the people that, that had worked on that project. And some are like the stunt coordinators for arrow or, you know, like everyone's gone on to do these really big things, you know, stunt a lot more stuff pop up in Canadian and like, uh, especially in the superhero genres for popping up in mm-hmm. uh, Canada for filming all the CW shows or yeah. a lot of them. At yeah. Least. Many of them. I mean, we have in Vancouver, it's Arrow, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Flash. Uh, and now there's uh, Riverdale, Sabrina, Nancy Drew, which is the one that I'm coordinating. Yeah. Uh, they just, they love Vancouver. I mean, it's it's a really great community, uh, film industry-wise. I mean, they've been, they've been shooting here since 21 Jump Street, I think, was one of the first TV shows that shot up here. Wow. And, uh so there's, there's just a lot of really experienced yeah. crews and and it's a city and surroundings that can pass for almost anywhere for most of the work that you do is it in canada or do you ever get any stunt work in the u.s at all or uh, i haven't worked in the u.s at this point it requires either a green card or a visa it's something that i'm something that i'm looking into uh working in vancouver and kind of across canada has kept me pretty busy so i, I kind of haven't pursued it to date but with the driving and with my goals as a driver, I kind of don't want to limit myself to the Canadian market, basically. Makes sense you know? if you're kicking ass, kick ass everywhere. Well, I just, <laughs> it's also like, do you want to be a, a big fish in a smaller pond? Which isn't to say that Canada is that small because yeah. there's many people that earn a really good living and are really skilled performers that only, only stay in Canada. But uh, I just want to measure myself internationally. That's sweet. Yeah. So what would you say has been your favorite car that you've been able to actually drive in a production so far? Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. I worked on an episode of the flash and they called me up and, um, you're already, one of I my found out later right now. <laughs> they did an episode of the flash called the flash and the furious. Yep. And, uh, I got a call from the stunt coordinator. Stuff. Yeah. He, he basically <laughs> said, Hey, listen, we have this episode do you want to drift a Lamborghini and also a Chevelle with an LS in it? And I said, <laughs> yes, I do want to do that. Uh, so, so I came out and I, and we rehearsed and, you know, we can only do so much with a Lamborghini, but we, we figured out some stuff that we could do without really fully disabling everything. Yeah. The one thing with TV is uh, generally speaking on a big budget feature, they'll prep the cars, sure. you know, especially if it's the hero car in a main chase on TV they get the car and then you work with what you have. Generally speaking, uh, there's a picture car guy in Vancouver that owns both of those cars. And, uh, and so he was kind of like, whatever, like, I mean, don't crash it obviously, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Lamborghini's not cheap to fix. So it's high pressure, but it was really cool to get to do that job. And, and some of the local guys had said, listen, like they really pushed for it to be me to do it because it was a female character. And, you know, they're like, we have a woman who can do this. We need to use her, Yeah, you know, sense. um, over the years, wigging has been a big thing. Wigging and painting are, are issues that have come up a lot in the film industry. Uh, because initially in stunts, it was just white guys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they doubled everybody. Uh, I think I remember seeing a scene and granted the movie was not good, but, uh, I want to say there was a scene from the movie Electra where it had a male double for her that was just, way there was a male double that just did not make any sense at all but like you see it for all of you know three quarters of a second or whatever but it's just like 
Why are Jennifer Garner's muscles suddenly bulging out of the costume? <laughs> and I'm really confused. Yeah, it, it happens a lot with with vehicle work specifically, and sometimes yeah. with martial arts or the or the bigger fights. There are now a lot of really talented and really tough stunt women that can do those jobs. But historically, if they've had trouble finding the right double, then you know they'll go with a guy. I I doubled a Teresa Palmer years ago for a, a movie called Warm Bodies, and she had just come off of another project, which I can't remember the name of, but I think they all had like number names and. You know, there's a fight scene, but her her stunt double was an Asian guy. You know, and and she's she's a blonde Australian woman. But <laughs> for the fight, you don't think about it. Well, for what you see, it's funny because yeah. sometimes you're on set and you're like, "There's there's no way this is a good match." And then on camera, what they edit in, it looks good. It, it works. It's fine. But we definitely are pushing to have the best possible double for That's for cool. a role. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that, that still is just playing to me sorry um that threw me off but uh so uh going from that to uh drifting was the z your first car getting you into drifting or what did uh you start no. out no uh so i went down um to la to take a drift class uh not from taka and yoshi which i greatly re- regret because it probably would have you know, set me forward a lot if I, if I had started training with them from the beginning, but, um, I ended up buying a three, uh, sorry, a 40 SX and S 14 that I, I actually bought in California, imported it into Canada. I uh, drove S15 it just, into Canada. What are you doing? Importing an S 14? Uh, it was $3,000 oh, yeah, <laughs> aftermarket parts, which is about my budget. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. So, Brought that car into Canada, welded diff, just kind of beat the crap out of it, but didn't really know what I was doing, sure. you know, as, as everyone kind of starts in that place, you think like, oh, I'm going sideways. It's great. Yeah. You don't realize that if you're not kind of running at a high RPM and really pushing the car, you're only sort of kind of drifting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there's a, there's kind of an interesting drift scene up here. Uh, Vancouver Island has a really active drift scene and a lot of guys in the Miatas who are really good because Miata drivers are either terrible or amazing. <laughs> uh, there's only two camps yeah. with them, I find. But uh, yeah, basically I drove that car for about a season and then I wanted to build a more competitive car. Um, and ended up dealing with a shop up here. I, I basically just made a lot of mistakes. Like Taka <laughs> always jokes and he says, <laughs> uh, if there's a harder way to do it, that's the way that you're going to do it. Like the yeah. hardest way possible, it seems to be the only way you can learn. But, uh, basically I wanted to, I decided to go with a 2J. I wanted more power. Okay. And, uh, I, I bought a 2J that was in a car in the States, uh, in a convertible. I didn't want to drive a convertible, um, and basically paid a shop to swap it into the S14. They told me it would take two months. It took a year and three months. Uh, and I don't know if you have seen on my Instagram, the cage that I cut out of a car. I haven't, but well, I need to apparently. <laughs> Uh, you should take a look at those pictures. Uh, basically this shop, it was this Russian guy and his, his Russian dad was like their welder. And I didn't know any better, right. When you don't come from a motorsports background, which is very much me, like I'm the most mechanical person in my family. So I was learning as I went and, and it's really common. You know, you're at the shop, they tell you a thing. You're like, okay, that must be how it is. You know, yeah. you must know better than me, put the stuff in. So they, they cage the car. And, uh, when I finally got the car done, 
I took it out to the track and it caught fire. Uh, <laughs> brought it back, was like, hey, the car caught fire. Could it not do that anymore? Uh, took it to another event, took it back. It, both times happened at Evergreen. The car caught fire again. Oh, shit. Uh, so I ended up then bringing it to another shop, kind of rebuilding it, having another tune done. Um, engine protections weren't done in the tune. Brought it down to California and uh, blew the engine like the second day <laughs> driving it <laughs> in California. But like Taka helped a lot with connecting me with people down in LA who, to rebuild the engine. And, you know, a lot of like, well, they're not going to rebuild the engine unless you work within these specific parameters that they know from doing this hundreds of time and sure. watching lots of other people's engines blow up. Yeah. Um, so it, that car was a bit of a headache, but uh, yeah, basically once I finally got to driving it again, Taka looked at the cage and was like, I won't be near you doing tandem in this car, in this cage. You could literally, the door bars, you could actually stick your finger inside the seam. And so we had a, a shop in California, Rival Auto, Auto Works, um, which was Jason Kim's shop. He just got his pro license again. Uh, <laughs> he's a really good driver, a really awesome guy, but his shop, he's got a really good fabricator there. They cut out my old cage and I think it was at least 10 of the joints weren't even welded. If you couldn't see it, it wasn't welded. Wow. Like it was disgusting. And I just learned to weld when I cut my fender, like, cut my fenders for my fender flares in the, yeah. in the rear, I could have done a better job than some of these welds. That's it was absolutely horrible. Um, but you know, that's, you I learn. guess that's how you learn, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know what to look for now. And now that that shell has a, a really solid, amazing cage in it. And I, now I have a really reliable engine in the car for a turbo engine, yeah. uh, you know, but they're, they're expensive and they're, they're time consuming. So after I blew that engine last January, I guess. So yeah, almost two years ago now, okay. I, I just was like, okay, I just, I don't want to not drive for however long this takes. So I went and I bought the Z at like a used car dealer Sure. and, uh, was are like, this is just a temporary car. Uh, they are pretty cheap. Um, I just bought one for like $5,000 Canadian. Okay which is like 20 bucks, you know, I'm kidding. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think realistically it's under 4,000 us. Yeah. That's not bad. Um, and you know, and so, I've so, been seeing them start, definitely start hitting that level around here in Tennessee. Yeah. Of, uh, it, it seems like people are loving picking up those and G 35s. If they can find one with a stick like crazy around here. Well, to me, it just anyone that asks me, I recommend a Z for so many reasons, but, why is a 12 plus year newer car cheaper that has more horsepower <laughs> than a 240SX? You know, yeah, people yeah. want to go and buy a 240, but you've got to turbo it just to make the power that a Z makes stock. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, like those VQs, I mean, they, they sound horrible, but you can beat the shit out of them. Yeah. Like before, before I did the engine swap, I drove the car for a whole season at Redline, like never really... <laughs> even check the oil or anything like the car would just drive. They're happy to do it. Yeah. You can get all the seat time you need in the world. Yeah, exactly. The limit is basically you, yeah. you know? So. And then what, yeah, uh, so, then you got decided to LS swap the Z. Did it break down or was it just like, no, a, I, I need just, more power? Yeah. You know what? I, I was dealing with a shop in Montreal. Sorry. I don't know if you can hear my dogs. They're all good. Freaking out downstairs, but, uh, 
yeah, I was, I was dealing with a shop in Montreal that was kind of installing, like I had bought, you know, like rear suspension arms and I was slowly like just adding certain things to the car. And I'd found this shop in Montreal. It was a race shop and they have an LS swap Porsche that they did. And I was kind of like, Oh, I don't know. One day I was just there and they said, why don't you put an LS in it? And I was like, why don't I put an LS in it? You know, I'm really easy to talk into stuff like that. And so I started kind of looking at kits and I ended up finding LOJ online, um, kind of called them up and started asking questions, Yeah. you know, cause I thought, Oh, you know, you can like turbo the VQ. That'll be, I mean, pretty much 10 grand once you're dealing right. with cooling and everything else. And those engines from what I hear after 400 horsepower, they get a lot less reliable. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. One thing kind of led to another and suddenly I was, driving my car to New Jersey and dropping it off with Steven and they, they put the LS three in it. And okay. suddenly I was going like, yeah, basically. Yeah. I called them up and said, Hey, like, can I work with you guys? What's going on? And they're like, well, can you go to LS fast? And I mean, <laughs> and now it's a completely different level. Like I didn't want to show poorly at LS fest because these guys were helping me out. And sure. so I started training really seriously with Taka and basically living at the track for like January to March, I slept in my van at Willow Springs. And then I would fly back to Vancouver to work. Um, yeah. And, and now it's like a completely different thing. And I'm like wanting to really get serious. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I definitely enjoyed your, uh, show at LS Fest East compared to West, uh, quite a bit more. <laughs> um, oh my God. West was a, West a hard time for you. It seemed like. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong and just weird stuff, How you know, really weird. Did stuff. Blow out? I mean, four, <laughs> uh, but at the same time, yeah, just my two qualifying runs, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then the day before I had a, my fuel pressure regulator, um, failed, but we thought it was the fuel pump at first because right. I wasn't getting fuel pressure. So they had pulled it out and, Tommy Frank, who's a, he's a mechanic from up here, a Frankenstein automotive. He's Brody okay. Goebel's mechanic. Yes. So I knew him and he was like, Oh, just take my scooter. So that's why I was like scooting around trying to find a fuel pump <laughs> and we got it all replaced, but then it turns out it wasn't the fuel pump. It was yeah. that pressure regulator. And we had to swap it the following morning. Basically once I could buy in order to get that regulator, you have to buy the whole assembly. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like the fuel level gauge pump, the whole housing that holds yeah. everything. So yeah, had to replace that and then axles. And it was also kind of the first, first real event, I think first or second event kind of working as a team. And I had asked a friend of mine, uh, to come in as a mechanic and, and help me out, but he's a motorcycle mechanic. And, you know, so I was still figuring it out. Like after a couple months of working on my car, I knew the car really well, but it's hard to kind of pass that on. Sure. You know, um, you end up just telling someone what to do. And most people, when they have to do that and they're under pressure, they just do it themselves. Yeah. Well, you know, I see um, you change out this. Okay. What do I need to grab to be able to do that? Just move. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You know, now, um, now I'm working with a mechanic who he works with Peacemaker, who are the, the company that sent the drone down. Yeah to LS Fest. They had the Alex who's there flying the FPV, one of the FPV drones that was there. Um, so they, 
Ryan who owns Peacemaker is, is kind of a lot like me. Like he's really into motorsports. He races, um, precision driver and he owns a company that does basically drones and all of the arm mounted, like arms mounted on vehicles okay, for shooting the sure. chases and stuff. So those guys shot all the moving stuff for Deadpool. And, uh, yeah, when I talked to them, I was like, why don't, why don't you send a drone down to, to LS Fest? Cause they wanted to get more footage like that. And we've been trying oh, yeah. for so long, but anyway, Clancy it works with Ryan, a peacemaker. And so he kind of connected me with him and it's just been such a good fit for the team. Like having a mechanic that has a, a background in racing and just really knows the car and really just wants to see the car do yeah. well, you know? Makes sense. Yeah. Oh man. It, so, uh, how psyched were you with, uh, your performance at LS Fest East, especially after coming out of what happened at West? Oh man. After West, I mean, I left West and then I crashed my car like two weeks later. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was, uh, evergreen pro am round two, I think is a five eights bank. And, um, it's kind of my first time running the five eights bank. I had a practice day and we were trying to figure out tires. I was having way too much traction. And I finally, like on my first qualifying run, I had like an awesome line, but I was so much faster than I was used to being. I was super close to the wall. And then I just was super close to the wall for a second too long. And, and, uh, it basically becomes straight. So I, I reacted too slowly. It's a, you know, kind of a testament to where I'm, I was at experience wise and skill level wise, like I'm still learning. Yeah. And yeah, basically the rear end of my car, um, caught the wall and then it spun me in and uh i destroyed basically the whole driver's side front end <laughs> and got it back up and running at least yeah we did we did a couple of hiccups but um you got it back up and running but lsfs east was pretty much the first event since we did that okay so it's been one of those seasons where like if i can break it or it can break <laughs> it's you been know done. that's gonna happen it's been kind of like a a, a real test season in that way and really educational for me. Uh, so I was really happy with yeah. LS Fest. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting uh, West had a lot of really good drivers as well, Yeah. but it felt like with East, I was like, Oh cool. Okay. So there's like a pro one driver and like, <laughs> I don't know, four or five pro two drivers. Yeah. You know, and then and then a bunch of other people. So it seemed like you know, uh, West. I think there might have been two active Pro Two drivers, but then there were like a handful of people who used to compete in FD. Yeah, and yeah. then East is like, hey, here's a bunch of people that are still actively competing <laughs> in international racing event. Yeah, so that I mean, for me that was really cool. I was stoked to qualify fifth. I mean, yeah, oh yeah. For me, that was like okay. I think everyone that qualified higher than me has a license. Yeah. I'm you know? pretty sure. I think, um, I didn't get a chance to really connect with everybody or, you know, exactly yeah. put names to faces and cars. I know three out of four uh, of them for sure. I'm not sure who qualified either third or fourth, but. Cause I think Hooman qualified fourth. Okay. So yeah, he's pro two. Yeah. And then Hurst and then... is pro two. Yeah. And Hole is pro one and I'm not sure yeah. who else qualified up there. With yeah. Wait, I'd, I'd have to take, take a look at the yeah. list, but oh. for me, I, I was really happy. Oh, yeah. Um, and then going into the battles, I actually haven't had, you know, like I've, I've done tandem and training and here and there, but with the season I've had, I haven't had a ton of tandem battles where okay. it's actually a competition, you know? Um, so it's cool to go in the first one 
and, and win that. And then I wasn't expecting to beat human, yeah. you know, but it, <laughs> but it was very cool to have a chance to like, he just walked away from me, yeah. you know, uh, on, was, on his lead run. Honestly, for the experience and knowing is your car pretty close to a stock LS three? Yeah, we did. It's got a stage four cam in it. Okay. So, I mean, depending on the dyno, it's Probably maybe 500 to the wheel. Okay. So that's not as different as I was, uh, as I was expecting. Cause I think Human's yeah. sitting around 550 to six. Yeah. I think he's, he's around uh, six and our, he has a our built LS7. yeah, yeah. Um, he also, it's interesting. He, he runs a different gear ratio and I just switched from that gear ratio. So it was interesting to see why he did and didn't like he has a four, three, and I just switched to a three, nine. Okay. Um, mostly for evergreen. Uh, so that was my first time running the three, nine as well. It was cool to, I basically could keep it in third for the entire, yeah, for the entire run. Um, but yeah, chase chasing him was cool. And then, uh, him really putting the pressure on for the lead run was really cool too. Like he was really close yeah. on me, but it forced me. I think I ran one of my best lines on the run where he was chasing me. It, it was looking so. great out there. And then, uh, your first one, I believe was against, uh, Josh Ferris. Yeah. Which he's a buddy of mine out of Clarksville, Tennessee. Um, yeah, he, so he's a cool guy. Definitely. I, um, I met their whole crew when I, when I got there because I wasn't pitted with everybody. I kind of went over and their whole crew was kind of hanging out and we were kind of shooting the shit and stuff. So it was cool to get to go against him. Yeah. I, I definitely love the pit scene at, uh, East more than West of just like, it feels like a community of all the yeah. drift drivers hanging out. Like, it, cause I think they even call it like drift city or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it's just like, Hey, it's just like this circle of vehicles over here. This is all the drift guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah they're just going to cause trouble. Just put them all like fence. Might as well just <laughs> fence them up together, or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that at least, totally. at least we have the trouble contained. Mm-hmm. Um, drifters in general. I mean, the community is a big part of what I love about, about that scene, about the sport in general. I haven't done a ton of grip racing, but I just find it way more social. Yeah. It, it is. Uh, a lot of the people, at least I know down here that get into drifting usually have like one of two backgrounds that they were super into skateboarding and <laughs> I don't know how that leads into it or they're super into motocross and then that, yeah. and then I guess they just get away from dirt bikes because once you they hit over hurt. 20, 25, it, getting hurt is just a every six months thing. Yeah. Versus whenever you're young, it's like, oh, I hurt myself. I'll be better in three days. <laughs> yeah, I miss those days. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I noticed you longboarding around. Yeah, uh, I'm a terrible skateboarder. I'm a terrible <laughs> skateboarder. But, uh, but the longboard, I just, after LS Fest West, everything was so far away. Oh, it was bad. That's a you know, huge and venue for LS Fest West. Massive. Massive. And, uh, with East, I just thought, oh, I'll just bring the skateboard in case. And it came in handy because I wasn't pitted with everybody else, you know, yeah. so I could kind of bomb back and forth, but I couldn't, I just couldn't believe the number of people that were there. Have you, have you been to other years? Uh, I went to LSS East last year. I hadn't been before that. Um, I think, I know they said last year's had 24,000 spectators on Saturday. It's crazy. Um, for how small the area is, really, like it gets so crowded and hard to get yeah. around uh, Beach Bend. 
Um, well, even the, the traffic, right? If we were going to send someone on a parts run, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to hear about that. I, I thankfully uh, was a person that's just like, okay, bringing a 24-pack of water, 24-pack of Gatorade, and a little bit of food with me, so that way there should be no reason I need to leave this venue. Yeah, no, that's smart. Uh, See, we got in early every morning, but, I mean, the driver's meeting on Saturday was late because everyone was stuck in traffic. I don't doubt it, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard about people sitting in traffic for quite some time. Yeah. Um, I got there, I think, at like 7.30 or 7.10 or something. And I, I was probably 100 cars back from the entry. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so it still took me, like, once they opened the gates, I was still, you know, 10, 15 minutes to get in. <laughs> and I sat there for 30 some odd minutes before the gates opened. Wow. Um, but that's that's the same thing that happened last year. So I was just like, I know not to get there at eight or like anywhere. Like if you get there between eight and ten, you're sitting there for a while. Yeah, I I just couldn't believe it. I mean, maybe it's just my lack of patience. But as a spectator, I feel like if the line was like that, I would just not go. <laughs> that's understandable. Um, yeah, it's a it's definitely a crazy setup, and yeah. Uh, the, the tiny little road that you get out to LS Fest on is just like, I'm, cause I'm pretty sure it, at one point it was almost ba- it, like, it was basically from the gates to that railroad track. Wow. Yeah. I did hear that. Um, and yeah, if I saw that, I'd just be like, Hey, let's go anywhere else today. I hear the Corvette <laughs> museums open. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, so you, uh, what was your end position in there? Cause you were in the top eight, right? So I feel like, yeah, I was in the top eight. Um, there's something about the math of how you work out yeah. the, what place you come that I don't quite understand. And Taka kind of was like, okay, well this happened. And then this person moved up and this, so you're seventh. And I was like, okay, I, yeah, it, I have it, no idea. It, it's, I know it basically has to do with if the person who beat you won their next one, or if they lost their next one, then it puts you in a different spot because that shows who you be or who be like, yeah, Yeah. dumb thing. But also like if someone who qualified lower than you moved up past where, where you were, then that affects it too. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess hurts my head. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Two people that qualified lower than me progressed further than I did. So therefore like, that's why I was like, you're seventh. I was like, okay. I'll just, I'll, I'll cool. just trust you. <laughs> I accept. You know what? I'm just, I'm just happy to have had two battles, you oh, know, yeah. and, uh, and had so much, and a good, so much driving. Yeah. It seemed like, uh, all the seat time went well on Friday night. Yeah, um, it did. Were there any issues with the car at all? It seemed like everything yes. ran pretty solid. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know what? But nothing major. And I mean, I guess definition of nothing major changes yeah. as you get more experience. Sure. I mean, thankfully, uh, working with Taka and working with like the team that I have now, Clancy is really like, oh, well, you know what? Let's just preemptively replace these axles <laughs> so that we're doing it while the exhaust is cold. Okay. So we, we swap them early. I always like whenever I go to an event, I call an AutoZone and I order axles. And yeah, because you said you were I running stock, stock Z axles still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, three fifty Z axles. It's just cheaper than breaking something else. Yeah, for sure. While while I figure out my my left leg issues, 
um, yeah. So what did we have happen? We did have a couple of things. There was a, a fuel. So, oh yeah, we had a few things. Uh, we had a fuel pressure issue. We we're trying to figure out uh, after practice, I came in to do a tire swap and we try to run the car pretty full on fuel because it's that Z saddle tank still. Okay. Came in to put fuel in the car and Clancy opened the, the filler cap and gas literally started shooting out at him like a geyser. We're like, Oh, I think that might be not good. Yeah. So, uh, basically the, the breather, uh, for the fuel tank was clogged somewhere. We couldn't really exactly figure out where, but it was clogged. So we basically had to delete that whole setup, um, in the morning. And then, uh, what else happened? Oh yeah. And then as we started going to, okay, we deleted that setup car was kind of running weird. Like he plugged in the OVD two sensor to it and the idle was just really rough. Like I kind of noticed the idle was rough. And, um, I don't know if, can you hear my hound dog shrieking? A little bit. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> he's still a puppy and he's very dramatic. Oh, um, just want some attention. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So it turned out that at least one of the O2 sensors was bad. So then we were calling around on the Saturday morning, trying to find that and trying to figure out how we were going to send my brother to go pick that up and get it back. Uh, yeah. And it turns out that, so LOJ, the guys that did my engine swap, they work sure. with PSI conversions to do the wiring harnesses. Okay. So they had done all of my wiring harness and it turned out that the, the PSI guys were like, Oh yeah, we've got two O2 sensors in the truck. So, <laughs> so they we got those from them and then the car was running perfectly. Like, I think it's had that issue for a while Yeah, has been part of the power issues that we had. Basically after we did that, then we put it on the dyno at LS fest to test the, um, that, that it was making fuel pressure. So we did all that before competition in the morning. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So you're yeah. staying pretty busy out there. Yeah. But I mean, and that, that's the thing about, about having a team, you know, it is not cheap to have other people there with you, Yeah. but it, it really makes such a huge difference in being able to focus on driving and not being as filthy as I would otherwise be. <laughs> and just, yeah, I mean, I mean, over my head, like I'm learning a lot, but, I learn with each issue that the car has. Yeah. So I don't have that like years of previous experience of like, Oh, that sounds like a, this I'm like, oh, car is making a weird noise. It feels <laughs> not good. You know, <laughs> which is uh, the most useless information you can get. Car from a noise bad. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of <laughs> sounds like, it just doesn't sound happy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, so it seems like your team was definitely on it hard there because i noticed like every time you got done with a run tire pressure was getting checked someone was at your window yeah. trying yeah. to uh, like i wouldn't have been surprised if someone had a laptop just plugging in for a data log <laughs> immediately you know when i can afford that i'll definitely be data logging but like as a as a driver i mean i'm still learning how to communicate what's happening with the car and that's a, actually yeah. a big problem with being a stunt driver I just drive whatever I'm given, right? Sure. I adapt to the car. So this whole new thing of like, make the car exactly how you want it. <laughs> what? How does the car feel? It feels fine. Okay, well, fine is a completely useless adjective <laughs> for what we should do next to the car, right? Like we, I, I had to replace the whole front angle kit because I smashed one side of it. And so we ended up running the, the front camber at like three degrees because that's how I'd run it in practice, okay. but that's, it's a little low 
for, for camber. Um, so we, we ran it like that for the competition and then changed it on the, on the following day. But basically all that we're doing and all that talk is kind of helping me do is like figure out, do you need to change the tires? Do you need to change your driving? Do you need to adjust the car or is it your, you know, like, what is it? And my default is always like, Oh, well, I just need to drive differently. But sometimes it's like, no, this would make you better. Like my transitions were really slow and that's partially to do with camber. Um, yeah, it's awesome. I can definitely see that. Cause I mean, with your job, it's just like, Hey, here's this car. We need this car to do this thing. So if it doesn't happen the first time, it's just like, okay, obviously I messed up. So I need to do this different next time. It's not, you have all the adjustment in the world that you need to make. And you're in charge of getting that to happen. It's just like, you can make this easier on yourself. No, 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 no. (laughs) Let let me make this as hard as possible. Yeah. Well, we often like, it's a luxury to get rehearsals too. Like we always try to rehearse with a car, but often they're like, well, can we just shoot the rehearsal? You're like, okay, <laughs> I'll try, you know, but that means yeah. that you're driving it as is and then going, Ooh, I think I'll adjust the tire pressure for this next one. I mean, this is limited what you can do when the camera's already set up and, um, and they're just trying to get the shot. Yeah. I, yeah. One thing I do find uh, pretty crazy of, I guess, uh, especially for competing at a professional level, there have been a f- couple other major stunt drivers to do so, such as uh, Reese Millen, Tanner Faust. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, all th- both, both of those also went into rally like crazy. Yeah. Um, a lot of those guys started in the competitive motorsports and then moved towards doing the stunt okay. driving and, the, and basically driving for camera. Um, that tends to be in a way, a more natural transition. It's sort of the only way to get into stunt driving that doesn't involve eating shit, like falling yeah. down a lot. Because um, we don't like to put people in a position to hurt someone or destroy a camera if they don't have, like they haven't already demonstrated a certain level of. Makes sense. I mean, kind of, like yeah. for instance, you've been able to get do stunt driving behind the wheel of a Lamborghini. You don't want someone that doesn't know what they're doing to be put into that position. You know, it's like, Hey, Oh, you're new to stunt driving. Here's a $300,000 car for you to do your first scene with. No, exactly. Um, you know, and so it's sort of like, there's one of two routes that people always ask me like, Oh, I want to be a stunt driver. And it's like, okay. Uh, well, do you have any motorsports background? Well, I'm just really like, I just love driving fast and like doing dumb stuff. It's like, okay. Do you know how much a camera costs? <laughs> Do you know how much a camera oh person's God. life is worth? Yeah. Right. I, I, I remember hearing about, uh, once again, shows off my nerdy behavior of, uh, the movie, the dark Knight. how I think there was like three IMAX cameras in the world that were like the certain grade and they broke one, uh, in the tunnel scene with the big semi and all that stuff. Yeah. And I want to say it was like a $3 million camera. That sounds about right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> There was three of these things in the world, and you broke $3 million worth of camera. However, the <laughs> shot was probably amazing. Oh, dude, it's so good. And, <laughs> and, and that's the thing. On a show like that, they have the budget. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, obviously, the ideal is not to break the camera. Sure. Um, you let me know if the dog is getting too ridiculous, and I'll just go move him. You're fine. Calm him down a bit. Okay. <laughs> uh 
yeah, it, it, it really depends on the, on the scope of the show and the scale of the show. They, they do make crash boxes and I've definitely had even on lower budget shows comparatively where they're like, listen, we've already paid for this GoPro. So it's okay if you hit it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I ended up doing a really cool shot for, I don't know what TV show, but I was driving an H2 okay. and they wanted me to drift it. And, and then I was like, did you guys realize this is an all wheel drive car? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but basically I ended up splitting, splitting the camera with the real rear wheels of the car. And the camera was fine. But it's one of those things where if I had to avoid it, we never would have gotten that shot. I just ignored it. I was like, whatever. Yeah. Do the shot because they were shooting it with other angles as well. But yeah, there is a certain amount of destruction that's anticipated. I can definitely understand that. And I mean, and that's why those things have the budget they have. I, yeah. But also, like, I, I always wonder how many of those cameras survive from other shows and they get it or is everyone just leasing them or what's happening? Uh, I think it, that really depends. I, um, I bought, I think camera bodies and lenses often can be rented. Like there's big rental houses sure. here. I would imagine that certain camera people, like a lot of the other departments, one of the things that you do is like you buy a really specific piece of equipment outside of your labor. So guys in the lighting department will buy one crazy light and, uh, and make extra money that way. So cameras, yeah. yeah. Sometimes from the department, sometimes from a rental house. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. so what do you have any big plans for competing in the U S next year at all? Or. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I definitely want to go for my pro two license. Okay. Um, I'll probably run the evergreen series again because it's close to where I live. Uh, and I'll try to run another series, either do a couple of those one shot events yeah, like hyper or, and stuff like that. Yeah. Something like that, or maybe do drift league. But, uh, my big plan, I want to do more traveling with drifting. I love meeting okay. the different communities everywhere else. So I would like to do both LS fest again. I've been looking at the grid lifes and maybe import Alliance, that sort of thing. Like do a little bit of a tour with a car meet the people all over the place. And something that was really cool for me with LS Fest East is like the, the spectators were so amazing. So many people wanted to come by and people were so supportive. And sure. I love that. like, it's obviously, it's always nice to have people say that you're good at something, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, I love seeing you right? out there is a lot better than you suck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, that there wasn't, Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I had so many people come by and offer support and for me, it's, it's the women and it's the younger people coming by and kind of just getting to see that, you know, a lot, a lot of women are kind of the people that are my biggest supporters. And I find that really cool because I think that women can be competitive with one another, you know? Um, so it's really nice to see that, like, your car is my favorite. You know, I want to, I just, you're, you're my favorite driver to watch. And I know part of it is because I'm female, Yeah. but I like to think that if I wasn't doing well, people wouldn't be excited by it. So it, in the drift community, I've noticed that, uh, when, when women drivers don't do well, guys will hate on them harder than they will hate on anyone else. It seems like, um, I, th- I think there is definitely an impression and I've really struggled 
to like, I really want to avoid that of women taking advantage of the fact that they are women sure. to get ahead in motorsports without backing it up with any kind of skill. I, it seems like motorsports really more than almost any other sport is like where men and women can be on an equal footing. Yeah. Because there isn't really a strength advantage. Yeah. It's all, you know, just the natural response of driving and the feel of the road. And it's just like, everyone has the same number of inputs here. You have the steering wheel and pedals and yeah. what can you do with them? I guess e-brake and, uh, uh, drifting, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's really a, a great equalizer for it. Um, it is. I like to think a lot of the difference is whether people are exposed to it when they're young. Sure. Like if you look at some of the women that are doing really well in motorsports, they've had a, a chance since they were quite young. There's, um, there's a young girl that I follow on Instagram. I think she might be 11 or 12 now. She's a motorcycle racer. Oh yeah. So she started just like going to the track with her dad. And then I think by the time she was nine, she was competing with adults and winning. That's but she's lighter, right? <laughs> so, so she did have an advantage, but now, I mean, watching her driving career or racing career, I guess, and who she's learning from and who she's following and just how much support she's getting. And just imagine like as an adult in her twenties, she'll already have, you know, 12 years of competitive yeah. experience at the track. You can't really beat that. Yeah. That's insane. I, I know I've yeah. heard of a few coming up, uh, that often get started in like cart racing and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, which seems to be a huge lead in now into like a uh, formula three and all that of just how to get your foot into like crazy grip racing. Yeah. That is more expensive than I would ever be able to afford in my entire life. Uh, yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Like, at, uh, I try and hit up uh, Formula Drift at Road Atlanta every year. And I remember last year seeing the Formula, it's like Formula 4 or Formula 3 where they have like, kids are like 13, 14 driving. <laughs> and they're running like 200 horsepower Honda Civic engines in them. But they're in a body that weighs like, you know, 1600 pounds and yeah, has unreal aerodynamics being applied to it. There's, like it looks like a formula, like a formula one, formula two car, whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, I wish I knew how you get financially set up to do something like that when you're that young. <laughs> and I'm just, and it's out of pure jealousy. Well, uh, I mean, there's always a joke that people make, right? There's a stunt driver that I work with. who's also a racer up here and he says, well, you got to have a PhD. Papa has no. You know? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, and yeah, it's not and, a cheap. I mean, yeah, it's not cheap. Yeah, and and I mean, even getting into drifting, uh, a lot of you know cars that are competing in the pro ams now are unreal. When you're seeing, it, you know, these guys that are coming up grassroots haven't really competed at that high of a level, putting out six hundred, seven hundred horsepower. It's just like how is this a hobby for you? Like, holy crap. Yeah. I definitely had an idea of what it costs and the reality of what it costs <laughs> are. It, it's so, it's so different, but, and it's, and it's how serious you are. Like, okay, well, if you break, do you go home or do you just fix it? Oh, yeah. if you're going to just fix it and try to keep running. Now you have basically an entire car in your trailer. Yeah. Really? You know, like, uh, <laughs> 
when you're yeah, trying to get know. all the spares that you can for what may go wrong or it's like what level is your spares at now is it uh do you want just the oh you can swap these parts in 10 minutes spares do you want if i have a catastrophic failure and have an extra drivetrain all already set up that i can just unbolt yeah. the current one and swap this in yeah, I'm not at that point yet. Yeah. You know, I carry all the suspension arms, uh, spare angle kit, definitely a lot of spare axles. I'm going to get a spare clutch as well. Basically, as stuff breaks, I'm like, I'm going to carry a spare of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but, oh, yeah, uh, this can just fail at the track and yeah. might fail. I mean, but like in my talks with Taka, even initially, maybe a year ago, he's like, okay, so clutch is a disposal item. Uh, axles are disposal items. You're like, like, is there anything on the car that isn't a disposable item in your opinion? <laughs> yeah, basically that's it. You know, it's the one thing you can't carry a spare of. Like when I went into the wall a couple of months ago, if I'd had a second angle kit, they would have worked to get the car back on, Yeah. you know? Oh man. Who are, what, it's crazy. But what angle kit are you running on the Z? Uh, so I, there's a company in Ontario called FDF fabrication. Okay. So they're a Canadian company that they've been making a couple of different styles of angle kits for Z's, S14s, a couple other cars. Um, when I initially went with them because they were significantly less expensive than a wise fab. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, that's a they, fair reason. You wow. know, I wasn't planning to do what I have done with the car <laughs> uh, at all, but, but their angle kit is, is really, um, uh, moderately priced for what you get and they're constantly kind of re-engineering it okay so i really want to work with canadian company if i can and and you know kind of i love working with companies that are growing because i feel like i can kind of grow with them we can kind of inform each other you know sure if i go back to them and say hey i'm experiencing this issue then they they kind of have that feedback because i drive the car under so many conditions and i drive it really hard yeah so that's cool. Um, what kind of suspension are you running on it currently? Uh, so I've got custom valve coilovers from Megan. Nice. Uh, I was running again. This wasn't supposed to be <laughs> like, it wasn't supposed to be a fully built car. So I just kind of was like, went on the internet and was like, Oh, I don't know. A Pexi NXV. Okay. I didn't even realize that you could get a not true coilover. Like that's how little I knew when I started building the car. So I had non-true coilovers yeah. that I was running, but it's just the spring rate. Like I'm running, I think 18 K in the front, 16 or 18 K in the front and I think six or eight in the back. Um, and, uh, basically after I had driven the car for a long time, we kind of got an idea of what we wanted to do. And Taka went to Megan and they kind of worked on it together and, That's and built me these coilovers. Yeah. It's really awesome. And then when we, um, when I crashed it, they took the, they took it back. And I think all we had to replace was like a mounting bracket or something. That's it. The coilover was fine, but they, they tested everything. They ran yeah. it through all the settings and just made sure it still worked. But, uh, That's yeah, unreal. I mean, working with Taka and the people that he knows and, and kind of the fact that he's been through things so many times has certainly helped me skip a lot of steps of learning on my own. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. It, it's definitely a good way to get experience from is from people who've done it before and not having to, yeah. waste your time and money on how you've been doing it before of just <laughs> learning because I yeah, mean, I've wasted lots uh, of time and money. like it, it you know I don't have a drift car I have a car that I would love to one day be a drift car and everything I've done with mm -hmm. it so far has been wrong so uh but the problem is everyone has an opinion oh yeah right 
and, and sometimes wrong. these people are doing things <laughs> and you don't know why it's like i guess everyone used to pull the sway bars off yeah right so my s14 they'd remove the sway bars and it, it was one of the things that Taki kept pushing me for so get new sway bar, like get sway bars for the car. You need to run sway bars. And uh, it does make a difference, oh, you yeah. know, in, in the way the car handles. And if you set up the suspension without, and then you add them, well, you got to set it up all over again. Yeah. That can, uh, man, I'm sure that made a huge change actually. Uh, yeah. Huge. Um, like, um, you probably actually noticed like in some of the pictures that you took of the car when it was running at LS Fest West. Yeah. Were you, were you taking pictures on Sunday? Like on the last day? I, I was three wheeling quite a lot. Um, gotcha. and, uh, definitely just adding the sway bars made a difference in that. That's sweet. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I was mostly there on Friday and Saturday. Um, I was just like, yeah, the experience out there on uh, those days was unreal just because there were so many drivers I'd never seen before. Yeah. Um, I'm wishing there's one guy that I hung out with a bunch and now I can't think of his name, but he has a, a sky, an LS supercharged skyline. Oh yeah. I that and he's car. a Canadian driver as well, but I cannot think of his name, but. Was it, wait, was he from the East coast? Like it wasn't Brandon or Brody, right? No. No, I I even have a sticker that he gave me because I was just like chilling out. Like he had a, <laughs> um, I can't think of the right word for it, but like a cover on his trailer. So you could just like chill out and he had a big fan. I'm like, it's too hot out here. I'm just going to hang out over here for a while. And he was cool. Yeah. He, he wore a cowboy hat and was just a pretty crazy dude. But, oh, yeah. um, I was just like, yeah. I'm not, I, for one, I wasn't used to seeing Skylines competing at a drift event because yeah. they're so damn expensive. Uh, especially um, for the U.S., you can't get, like, you can barely get an, R, an R33. Right, um, because you guys, it's 25 years, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, something that I would love to see change one day, but I doubt it ever will. And after, like, we start getting 2002, 2003 cars, it won't even matter. <laughs> yeah because it's like oh our 34s are now good and everything else that mattered people can get now yeah but uh have you had any other any other cars that you've tried to compete with drifting in other than the s14 and 350 well there's a brief period of time before i was working with taka uh where i was working with somebody else and they had set up a car for me technically <laughs> speaking uh convertible to compete in but it was like just talk about uh, a competing in a convertible in the desert. A horrible idea, especially for a Canadian with fair skin. Um, and then just uh, the car wasn't set up properly. I didn't know anything about car setup and um, kind of the feedback that I got from the judges when I was competing was like, the car looks really hard to drive. <laughs> I just didn't really know any better. So, I mean, I don't even think I qualified even laid down a score oh, when I was when I was competing in that car, um, it's kind of a short lived thing. And half the time it wasn't really mechanically sound. So technically yes, but, uh, I mean, Not if you count a, a couple memory. of runs, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'm okay with that, that phase of my life being over. So I'm assuming, uh, for the com competing next year is planning all for the Z. Um, so that way. Yeah. I've got, um, We've got kind of some mixed plans. We've okay. got a few things in the works. Uh, 
LOJ is talking about building a 2J swap kit. Interesting. For the 350Z and the 370Z. Um, so if they do that, I might take my other engine and put it in a, another Z. Okay. Um, my other engine being in the S14. Uh, 2J. It would be nice to have the same car minus engine setup, like everything else being identical. That sure. would be a dream situation. Whether or not I can afford to make that happen is another story. But um, <laughs> I'll run whatever car is running. You know, I'd like yeah. to have both be running so that if one breaks, I can switch to the other one. Do you have like the whole wrap stuff done on your S14 or is that just... Uh... No, that's um, it's kind of battleship gray, sort of putty gray on the outside okay. and red on the inside. Um, I would like to, if I keep that car, I would like to do kind of an homage or a similar wrap. Uh, definitely if I, if I swap it all over into another Z, I will. Um, I also, I bought like a stock VQ when I crashed the Z a couple months ago, cause I've got problems. Yeah. I just, I wanted more seat time and, and it is cheaper in a, in sure, a car sure. with 300 horsepower uh, that you don't care about. Yeah. So yeah, I got a pretty good deal on this car and I've slowly just been turning it into a missile, but I've been like, uh, you know, I, I got the same spoiler and I just wrapped the spoiler and I'm going to take kind of elements from the other wrap okay. and, um, and add them. It's white at least. So it'll look pretty cool with with stickers on it and stuff yeah i i definitely do love the wrap on your z the um almost looks like zombie apocalypse style yeah yeah i i'm so stoked on it i mean i i spent maybe a month on instagram looking at different wrap designers and then this guy is he's from russia communication is a little bit challenging okay but uh i basically said to him i was like okay so it's the apocalypse i stole a fighter jet (laughs) Uh, I think like Mad Max tank girl, yeah. like, you know, I sent him a bunch of references and we kind of went back and forth and, did, did um, you see they're going to make another tank girl. I did not. Yeah. That, That's, that uh, got Margot Robbie's doing it. Of course she is. Oh, interesting. And that's, it's tough because that movie, I don't think it aged very well. <laughs> no, it did, it did I, not at all. I loved that movie when I was growing up. Like well, it when was I was great in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely, it was one of my favorite movies. I mean, so many people, so many girls that I like that are alternative were so into that movie. And uh, yeah, you watch it now and you're like, Ooh. Like if you show it to someone that's like, oh, I never watched it. You're like, uh, <laughs> I don't remember it being quite like this. Um, I feel like it's one of those cult classic movies where you have to watch it with other people that have seen it before and not yeah. introduce them to it. Yeah, you can't be an adult watching it for your first time. Yeah, like that's rough. Twenty years later, but uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. That's kind of exciting. I yeah. mean, they'll probably shoot it in Australia or something. But I don't know. It seems like she. I can't. I'm trying to remember which comic because Tank Girl was based on a comic, but I don't. The rem- Tank Girl. Yeah, I don't remember who owned that comic though. Oh, if it was Dark know, Horse have- or DC or who. <laughs> I could actually go downstairs and check because I have the first, I have the first edition, like first, uh, comic, Tango oh, comic awesome. somewhere. Uh, yeah. Do you have very many comics bad. or is it just like, a- I don't have a ton. Like it's, it's mostly like tank girl. I was super obsessed with. So sure. I got the comic. Um, I read a little bit of comic books when I was growing up, but not a ton. Like I was, I kind of like, like Joan and Vasquez. You know, John of the Homicidal Maniac, yeah, which yeah. is less of a comic book and more graphic novel, I guess. Yeah. Um, so kind of marginal. Okay. I know yeah. I, 
I think I only have really one comic in my collection that I'm proud to have, and that's a first appearance of Deadpool. Oh, that's cool. I think it's like New Mutants 98, and I was like, yes, I need to own this comic. <laughs> like, I, I love that character when I was growing up, and then whenever I found out that you were in the movie, I was just like, I want to be best friends with this person forever. <laughs> Introduce yeah, me to I, Ryan Reynolds. I don't know if you have that power. Just do it. I I don't have that power. Some of my friends worked on it a lot more substantially. I kind of worked on like driving scenes. Sure. And so I didn't have a lot of contact with main unit, but um, a couple of my friends were the double for. Uh... Oh, wow. I'm blanking, you know, the hair. And the... Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. I mean, it's a cool experience yeah. to kind of see them going through it as well. But uh, yeah, th- those movies were awesome. And it's really awesome how loyal Ryan is to Vancouver. Yeah, that it, it's all, it is uh, definitely surprising because it seems like he's been trying to film more movies out there too. Um, yeah. Well, I guess being from here, makes um, sense. it's coming back. Uh, it's it, Yeah. It seems like the film industry is booming right th- there right now. It's crazy. It's been, we had this brief moment where everyone had a panic and there was this safe BC film movement. And then a year later, it, it like never slowed down. It's <laughs> We often have like 40 or 50 productions happening at a time. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's really exploded, which means there's a lot of opportunities for, I'm sorry. Awesome. Sorry about the dog. <laughs> yeah, like it, the two places I hear about the most now, it seems like are Vancouver and then uh, Atlanta, Georgia for, yeah tv and movies yeah um, a lot of that is the uh, tax credits yeah new mexico gets a lot of work as well okay yeah i guess just depending on what kind of background you're needing in your scene you can pretty much find a place that is happy to accommodate yeah um yeah and then and then like east coast of canada we're not coast exactly but montreal and toronto are also popular i mean montreal is really easy to shoot for europe okay uh when i worked on blood and treasure last year they I mean, it was like, oh, now we're in the Alps, or like, now we're in Italy, and I was like, oh, okay, right. well, good enough, you know. It all kind of looks the same, but uh, that's cool. Yeah, Blood and Treasure Netflix series, uh, CBS. CBS. I think okay. it's also on Amazon. Yeah, okay. they're going into a second season, which uh, sadly I probably won't be part of too much of it. But uh, so you have any roles that you are more so proud of than others of just like stand out love to show I mean, off? The whole... that's a good question um <laughs> definitely some of the driving stuff that i've had a chance to do um blood and treasure was just one of those dream projects like okay. the, the writers and creators were so it's really like an open like looking right at camera not at like indiana jones oh. all these movies like the the yeah. writers are such movie buffs that there's like feel the Declaration the episode, of Independence. <laughs> they'll do stuff. I mean, s- similar to that, not exactly that, yeah, but yeah. it's very like openly nodding to sure. their references. And, um, and so that was just a really cool project. So they'd be like, Oh, like what, um, what's something you've always wanted to do? Like, what would be a cool <laughs> gag to do? You know? So we would just kind of brainstorm stuff. Um, I'd been pushing them the whole season, uh, I was like, Hey, just so you guys know, like driving is sort of the thing that I do. Like we did a motorcycle chase. I did like rappelling building, like all this stuff. And I was like the whole time I was like, Hey, there's this thing that I do. (laughs) 
Maybe. And so, uh, that show is really cool. We shot in Montreal for, I think four or five months and we went, they went to Italy. I didn't go there. And then we shot in Morocco for six weeks. Hell yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was amazing. Just an amazing <laughs> experience. But, uh, we were on the plane from Marrakesh to, to Tangiers and, uh, they're like, did they tell you that we rode in a car chase for you? <laughs> I was like, are you serious? It was such a cool experience. And then, you know, we were trying to find cars in, in Tangiers, like that we could, that we could do a car chase with and yeah. we ended up doing a crash and all this stuff. But that was like a, a absolute dream job for a stunt person because it was all real, all practical stunts, That's you know, cool. as opposed to, um, overloaded CGI. Yeah. You know, the, the real characters doing real stuff. So yeah, we, we did the, the motorcycle chase and, uh, you know, I got to like, kind of like ride up beside them and shoot a gun, break a window, like all practically, oh, cool. you know, I mean, obviously I wasn't shooting sure, sure, sure. through the window. They were doing that special effects, but, yeah. uh, but all of those elements. And then, uh, yeah, in, in Morocco, we did like a kind of a chase scene through the, through the Medina. So we were like locking up a road in the Medina. There was like kids rioting, like trying to get through all this stuff. And I did, did a jump like rooftop down to another rooftop. We just did it practically you know, which you probably wouldn't do as much in North America these days, but we yeah. just, we made it work. We did real stunts, you know, I was like, okay, well don't miss, you know, I, I try okay. to be a decent bit of a movie buff and it bothers me so much whenever I see CGI stuff that I'm just like, how is that not cheaper and easier just to do <laughs> practically? And like, like one of my favorite movies is blues brothers. And like the car scenes in that movie are hilarious and great. Like driving through the mall. Uh, yeah. where it's not fast forwarded it's you know you don't have cgi people jumping out of the way of the car or anything you just have people running into the Real stores doing it. Uh, yeah and, and it looked amazing and i'm like okay i'm sure it was expensive to do but at the same time if you would it try looks to, different yeah um i think really expensive cg can look real yeah but by the time you're spending that much money, you make a really good point, which is, is it actually cheaper? Sometimes it's safer, but it, yeah. it, it also just depends like who you have, like a, sometimes the visual effects, people will come in and say, Oh no, no, we can do all of that. Like, well, yeah. You know, like, you and just then the money's already the, spent and then you the don't yeah. need to double it up and try and do it practically, even though it could have looked better. I don't think it looks the same when you flip a car in CG oh, versus reality. Without a doubt. You know? No. But I've, I've had a lot of that where they're like, nah, we'll just, you just slide the car and then we'll do the rest. No. Uh, yeah. It's sort of, it's cheaper from a, like how much you pay the stunt person perspective, but yeah, I but, can't uh, imagine it being cheaper. Like I'm like, okay, overall. you have this car. Let's, you know, if it's a, let's say it's a nice sports car, a Camaro or Mustang, 50 grand tops. Yeah. Even if you total that car, that CGI, I'm, I guarantee you it would have probably cost 200 grand to do the same thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, and it depends more. on the level, like the, the level that they do the CGI at, right? Yeah. You can I launch the CGI, Camaro 20 feet in the air and <laughs> it would have saved you money. Yeah, I mean, Without a CGI is seamless. But yeah, that's true. You just put it on a cannon or something, put it on a ratchet. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah. Uh, well, is there anything else that you were wanting to chat about here today? I don't want to keep you all day or anything. Oh no, you're not keeping me. Um, off the top of my head, no, I'm definitely crashing after like last weekend. I finally just dropped the Z off at the shop this morning. Oh gee, yeah. So yeah, yeah Taka that... and Yoshi drove it back across the country, and I drove to 
Auburn, Washington to pick it up yesterday and brought it up. But. Yeah, I, I, I'd wonder what other cars you can actually ever get to stick with that, allit- that alliteration with your name. I guess you have a 370Z, of course. Uh, you get an old yeah. 280, 240. Yeah, I've I've been looking at those. <laughs> They're really expensive. They've They're gotten so, like, just, way up lately. I couldn't believe uh, the guy at LSFS West that had the he had a 240Z, I think, uh, white one. LS swapped. I don't remember that one. There was a, there was a gorgeous twin turbo black carbon fiber one at East. Um, but to drift that, you know, like he was drifting it. And oh, I know what you're like, talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the guy that was actually in the comp drifting. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Th- I mean, I, it seems like a bad drift car. I probably yeah, shouldn't I'm say sure, that out loud, but. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure once you set it up, it, it works just fine. I don't know if it's going to be in Formula Drift or anything, yeah. but uh, but they're so cool looking. And if it's just a fun car, like I would oh, love yeah, without a doubt. Like that. That, that would it. be pretty sweet. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, Drifting is a sport where there's so many cars that are ridiculous that people set up for it. Uh, there's one guy that does a, a like probably the most popular drift podcast out here. Out there is a Maximum Driftcast, mm-hmm. and he's building a two JC three Corvette. Awesome! Um, and I was just like, I love that idea. That does not sound like it'll handle, but I would uh-huh. I would pay to see it. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, that's what's cool about drifting, though. Too is like you can have personality. Yeah, and, and right. Like, I think Taylor Hole, uh, guy with the Cadillac that was yeah. our Pro One. Uh, I want to say he runs two forty subframes on his uh, old car. It's like a, uh, it's not a Dart. It's a, it's an old. It's like a seventies Dodge. I can't think of which one it is. It's not like a Charger or Challenger. It's just small. It's a little bit smaller than those. But yeah, like he's redone it to run 240 subframes and run 240 suspension, wow. I believe. So it's basically a 240. Just... Yeah. <laughs> That's and it's, awesome. And it's gnarly as hell. And, uh, yeah. But there's so many cars swapped around like that where you run crazy subframes or drivetrains out of different cars. Yeah. Like 240s, for example. I mean, hell. Every engine yeah, in the cool. world is ran in a 240. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting to see a Prius engine thrown in a 240 and someone try and drift it or something. Oh my God. You know what else I'd like to do is like a Tesla, Tesla swap. Oh, that would be gnarly. Well, you have yeah. formula drift has the Tesla powered Camaro. Yep. Which do. is the most awkward car to see in person you could <laughs> ever see. Cause honestly, like at road Atlanta, it looked cool. It looked fun. Yeah. He was drifting, but you hear all you hear is the tire, so it's just a screech without oh, yeah, the drone true. of the end. Like, and then I heard some people. I think the biggest complaint I heard, and it was all from people that don't compete, was yeah. uh, people worried about trying to chase them when you can't hear the throttle change. So, like right. when they're going to slow down, you could typically hear them get off the gas for a lot of cars. Right, and there isn't that. <laughs> right. Right, that makes sense. But it was still a cool looking car, and I'm a huge Camaro fan. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think it would be almost weirder, like being chased by a totally silent car, because like you like, can hear when a car is chasing you. Yeah, I mean, it depends what it is, but you can usually hear it. So it's kind of a cue to you of like where the guy is. But yeah, I, I guess I always wonder how much 
how much the lead driver needs to pay attention to the chase driver. I'm sure yeah, some tracks is more necessary than others. And and usually it's just to hope they don't hit you because you sh- like realistically the lead driver is just supposed to concentrate on putting on the best run yeah. they can possibly put on. Correct. Yeah. Um, which has caused some, tr- I know there was some drama at some of the last couple FD events because of people, the lead drivers moving, doing things that they weren't supposed to do because they thought they were going to get hit by the chase driver. Yeah. Um, and technically it's like, you're not supposed to do that, but at the That's same time, job, yeah. you're going to want to protect yourself from what's happening. So it's hard yeah. to know where do you side on that of, do you side with the guy pr- trying to protect himself or trying to, uh, <sighs> or not doing what he's not you know, doing what he's not supposed to do. I mean, that's really tough because yeah, your job is to do the lead run. Uh, it is motorsports, and if guy's gonna hit you, like, yeah, sort of a part of it. But but at the same time, depending on yeah. how fast that person's going, yeah, you're gonna have <laughs> that really instinct thought. to get the hell out of the way. Yeah, for sure. But okay, well, uh, I think that should be good for now. Uh, it was a cool. pleasure having you on, and uh, definitely have to chat more. I'm sure I have a billion more pictures still to send you. I'm not even done with uh, LS yes. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for, uh, yeah, this is my first podcast experience. So hopefully aside from my dog shrieking in the background, uh, <laughs> hopefully that doesn't cause you too much trouble. And yeah, this is really fun actually. Seems good. Well, take care and I hope you have a great cool. rest of the day. All right. You too. Bye.